Congregation of First Baptist Church, welcome this morning as we come online with the message this morning. And today's message is making plans to return. Picking up on a, uh, another message about not looking back, we're going to talk about looking to the future and not holding on to the past. Remember God, I preached the other week, God is the I am God. He's not a God of the past or the future, but the present. And the Bible is full of stories, and we're going to look at one this morning in illustrations of Scripture that tell us that there is a problem if we hold on to the past in our lives. We cannot hold on to the sins of the past. We cannot longingly look back at what we once were. We cannot retreat backwards in our Christian lives. And now the church at Jerusalem, and I'm going to talk about them, had done just that. The whole book of Hebrews, and I'm finishing my book on that, is written to a church that is retreating back, going backwards. And they had committed that. They had deserted their faith. And one of the worst sins a believer can ever commit, they were pressured and they were persecuted. And rather than pray and have faith, they simply caved in. Real challenge for us in the year 2020 as we see Christianity under assault, every belief system that we have under assault, and the church in general under assault. We can stand for the truth in the words of the Lord, or we can retreat, surrender, go back, and join the world. Now, you and I, as believers in Christ, no, we cannot do that. The Christians at the Jerusalem church in the book of Hebrews would pay a price, a very steep price for their disobedience. They were embracing the old ways. They were returning to sacrifice. And this is after Jesus had died on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. So this is a horrible thing. Let's look in Back in the Old Testament, though, to another time in which people wanted to look back, and this is in Numbers 14, follow me if you will. <laughs> Excuse me. Cut that out, edit that out. <laughs> and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. This, what had happened here is the report had come from the 12 men who went into is it 12 or 10? You may have to add 12 spies who went into the land. That's right. 10 gave an evil report. Two gave a positive report. That was Caleb and Joshua. And Joshua said, we're, we're able to go up. But the 10 men gave an evil report. So yeah, the land was everything God said it would be. But there are problems. You know, this is the problem. This is the Christian if you will, vice that we're in. God always tells us what's ahead and it's good, but there are always problems. And our church is about to embark upon a new stewardship of a pastor. Hey, there'll be days it's not roses. There's some thorns in there, so be, be ready for that. And that's okay. God is well able, as Joshua said, for us to overcome, or Caleb to overcome the walled cities, the giants, 
and all the rest that are ahead in the land for us. And so while he tried to get people to exercise their faith, the people went in fear and lack of faith and cried that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. That's the first thing that happens when things go bad. Who do they blame? <laughs> the pastor, leadership. Uh, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that God we had died in Egypt, that we had died in this wilderness. They said, We would have been better off dying in Egypt. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives, our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. What did they want to do? They wanted to go back. The promised land lay before them. God said, I give it to you. Behind them was Egypt. And they said, we want to go back. Let's, let's choose a new leader and go back. Back to slavery. Back to where they were. And go back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, which rode them and searched the land, rent their clothes. The land we pass through to search it is exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land that flows with milk and honey. Just like God said, only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, do not fear them. But the congregation made stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. God came down. God said, I've had enough. And God came down and appeared before them to, to vindicate Moses and those that served with him. The people were wrong. And God finally pronounced judgment upon them. They would never be able to go in to the promised land. So neither did they go back to Egypt, neither did they go forward into the promised land, but they remained right here in this never, never land of the wilderness. And you know, my friend, I must admit to you, through the years as a pastor, I've seen many a Christian wandering in the wilderness. They've not went back to their sins, but neither, neither have they went forward with God. They're just stuck. And you know, that's not the direction that God wants us. God called us to be servants, not to dig a ditch and hunker down in a hole and bury ourselves in a hole like the guy who buried his talent in the ground. And we're not just to bury ourselves or to... We're supposed to serve him. But we get to looking back sometimes. We look back, oh, you know, I had a wonderful life and I was this thing or that thing. I always look back to the time when I was an athlete. Well, you know, that's long gone. Uh, two knees, as I always say, two knees is 60 pounds ago. 
gone. And I was an athlete, not I am. I am who I am now. And, I, and the talents that God has given me now, I have to use. You know, it's, it's really, these people were looking back. As a matter of fact, that's why they never arrived at the promised land. It's because they were looking back all the time. Don't you get caught looking back. I don't know if you're familiar with Satchel Page. Now, Satchel Page was in the Negro Leagues. That's what they were called, Negro Leagues, because baseball was segregated then. And thank God, though, he got in his latter years, he was very, a lot older, he got to pitch in the major leagues. He pitched even for the Atlanta Braves and the Cleveland Indians. But he had a lot of sayings, and some of them were rather comical, and some of them were really wise. He had some wise sayings. One of them, we, we know about what goes around comes around. You ever heard that? He, he made that famous. Another one he said is, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. Well, you know, if we look back over our shoulder all the time, and one of the things I learned in athletics, running a race, the coach used to say, never look back. Looking back, you break your stride. Looking back, you fall, end up falling head first. You know, nothing good will come, he said, if you look back. So I've always remembered that, looking back. But the Bible even says that looking back is a sin, and it warns us not to look back. You know, I knew a deacon one time. He was a great man, but he had, the church had made a mistake and given him a award for being Deacon of the year and servant of the year in the church, and he never got over that, and he never did anything after that. He relied on that one thing. He, wanted, he had to show me, I want to show you this morning. And, and, you know, you can't look back and relish in the victories of the past. Chris O'Gwen, I'm 66, I can't look back at the years of my ministry and say, okay, look what I did. Huh? God wants to know what I'm doing today and tomorrow. Look in Luke chapter 9, verse 60. Jesus is trying to implore, implore his disciples to follow him. He says in verse 59, follow me. But the, but the guy said to him, first let me go and bury my father. And it sounds, Jesus sounds almost calloused here, but he was making a point. Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, follow you, Lord, but first let me go and bid farewell, which are at home, my house. And Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He was saying, Don't look back. Because in doing that, you're going to lose. Your stride. You're going to lose when you look back. When you try to go back, you can't do that. You can bring others with you, but you can't go back. One of the things I regret, I do regret a little bit about my ministry. It took me away from my parents. I was not able to see my parents very much after I left home at the age of 17. My father died before the birth of my first child. I was able to see him the month before that. And when I left there, he said, son, I'll see you again. But I never saw him again. I knew I'd never see him again. But he was talking about heaven, and I knew that. 
when I walked the door and I held on to that door. But looking back, you know, you have regrets in your life. You do have regrets. And I regret that I was not able to see them as much. But you know what? I'm sure in heaven, my mom and dad are glad that I served God rather than taking a lot of time to see them. I'm sure they accept that sacrifice. And it was a sacrifice. I still think of my mom and dad often. But we cannot serve God and hold on to the past. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Our calling, our calling, the great calling is to follow Christ, to follow Him. Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not to myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Our calling is ahead. We're running a race. And we cannot run the race holding on to the past and trying to drag the past with us. We cannot run the race in reverse. There's only a forward motion to a race. And Paul says, I haven't gotten there, but I'm running toward it. I'm moving toward it. I press toward the mark. I'm trying to get there. And this is another Admonition. Moving back, one of the things of the sins of looking back, we find a story, really a sermon. I used to preach a sermon off this. Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. And what did Lot's wife do? Nothing more than look back. And God, what did God tell her? Don't look back. And she did look back. Why did she look back? Do you know why she looked back? She looked back because she longed for the things there, not the things of God. And that is why she looked back. And she was, of course, turned into a pillar of salt. So what I'm telling you is the ramifications of looking back sometimes can be horrific. It will destroy, can destroy our life. I've known people whose lives were destroyed. I've known athletes. They did something great as an athlete in high school. And you see them 30 years later, they're still living in the light of that maybe one event. Maybe they pitched a perfect game or threw five touchdowns or whatever they did. And they're living still in that moment because that was the highlight of their life and they're looking back and they can't get over it. And that's where they are, and they can never put it behind them. Still others hold on to their past. Maybe they had a, a bad upbringing. Maybe your parents were not very good parents, or maybe you didn't have parents at all. And you're holding on to the way you were raised. None of us can do that. I did some of that growing up in my early years, and I finally, one day, I, was, I remember I was push mowing my backyard, and God got in my spirit and began to talk to me about being bitter about the way I grew up. And I just 
right then and there, I began to pray and I stopped what I was doing. And I got, at that time I could get down on my knees, I got down on my knees in my yard and began to pray and let go of the things in my past that were holding on to me. It was bitterness. And it was a, really a bitterness against God because he had let those happen to me, those terrible things growing up the way I did. But that, that, that's gone, it's gone. And God in his grace has saved me and, and planted me on a new position and gave me a great family. And I ended up, uh, somebody asked me, did you get what you wanted? I said, well, the only thing I wanted growing up was a good family. I got it. That's the one thing I asked God for. And I got it. I got everything I asked God for. There's nothing that I've asked God for that he has, restra- that he has not given me. Nothing. You know? And so, uh, holding on to the past, why? But even I had to come to grips with that. And you may be holding on to things in your past. There may be somebody in the church that's hurt you. Hey, listen, let it go. Forgetting those things which are behind. Go up and tell that person that's hurt you, say, hey, Hey, uh, Linda, Sue, George, Jack, Johnny, I love you. And I'm being careful about names here. I might name somebody in the church. And so I'm just a bunch of names. I love you in the Lord. Take your mask off and smile at them. Put your mask back on, I guess. If, you know, if you're in a public place. So let go. Forgetting those things which are behind, and I'll talk a little bit more in just a second about why we have to let go of those things. Forgetting those things which are behind. Uh, Hebrews 12, look there. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded. I wish they'd put surrounded there. With so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin that does so easily beset us, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, despised, uh, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds or give up. Listen. In this race that we are running, what did, what did Paul say? I press toward the mark, the finish line. What is the finish line? Jesus. And here it says what? Looking unto Jesus. Where do you start the race at the, at the end? The same place you start, you end at. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't it amazing? He's comparing it to a track race. And we're looking ahead And we're looking who? To Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we're considering him. He did not faint. He did not give up. We consider him that endured the contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we get weary in the race and quit. We can't quit. We see him crucified up ahead. He's the goal line. He's the finish line. And if we focus on him, we will continue. And by the way, we have to let go of those weights. That's all those things we're talking about. And sins. Those are the things that hold us back. Those are the things that keep us from running the race. We have to let go of them. Let go of the past. I always like the fact that the explorer Cortez, upon arriving in America, sought to motivate his men. So what did he do? He burned burned the ships. 
great motivation. You could only go forward. There, wasn't a, there was no going back. Okay, and that's what he was telling them. And here, the great cloud of witnesses, who are they? They're the people from chapter 11. That's Abraham and all the great people of the faith. And, and every chapter in Hebrews you'll find bleeds into the other chapter. It's, I call it bleeding chapters. They all bleed, take the idea, last idea of the last chapter and go into this next chapter. It's one continual thing like that in the big book of Hebrews. But looking unto Jesus and running that right, laying aside the weight and the sin. <clears throat> sin holds us back. Get rid of sin in our life, besetting sins, sins that harm us, sins that take us out of God's service, sins that beset us. And lay aside those weights, the weights. And I mentioned the fact that I had to give up golf early in my ministry. Uh, I was playing twice a week. My wife was a golf widow. So something had to go. Ministry, wife, or golf. And I gave up golf. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. And uh, so something had to go. So that was one of those weights. We have to give up weights sometimes. And I'd like to give up some of this, but I haven't got there yet. I'm working on it. And never compromise with that. You know, old Pharaoh was smart, and he tried to compromise with the Israelites. When they wanted to leave, he said, look, I'll let you go so far, and you can go out there, and you can worship, and you can sacrifice, and do what you want, only don't go too far away. And you know, the Israelites could have said, hey, that's a pretty good deal that Pharaoh's offering us. Well, let's just do that. That way we can... Go worship and everything, and then we'll come back and we'll still be here in Egypt. Watch out. The devil will give you a compromise, and a lot of people take that. Well, you don't have to be at church every Sunday. They're not going to close the doors if you're not there. Well, you don't have to do it. Well, they got plenty of people down there to serve. You, can, you don't need to go that far. You don't need to go that far at church. You don't need to go that far in ministry. That's the devil. That's Pharaoh. Only go so far. We cannot produce things for the future. That's in Exodus 8.28. It's true in business in every aspect of our lives. We're all nostalgic, amen? Hey, I like happy days. And I like nothing like a 55 through 57 Chevy, right? Amen. Beautiful cars. We're all nostalgic. We love things in the past. I love, I love old baseball cards and baseball stories. And you, you know I love baseball satchel page and all that. And however so much the reminiscing is okay up to a point. But the, when it bothers us in the faith, it becomes a problem. It had bothered the Hebrews. They had, as I said, they had deserted worshiping. That's why it says in the book of Hebrews, do not forsake the assemblies of yourself together, the assembling of yourselves together, because, as a matter of some are, because they had done that. And where were they going? They were going back to the temple, the old ways, and worshiping the old ways. Look in chapter 10. Verse 2, it says the law in verse 1 has a shadow of things to come. 
But they can never with those sacrifices they offer year by year continually make the comers perfect or complete. For then would they have ceased to be offered. In other words, if the offerings of the Old Testament were good, they would have stopped. But once purged, they should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is remembrance again made of sins every year. Then look at verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. They went back to something that was rudimentary, that caught God calls actually dead works several times in the book of Hebrews. Dead works. They're works, but they're no good. They're dead. The sacrifices were gone. Why? Because verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once Jesus had died, the sacrifices were null and void and useless, unproductive. It's counterproductive when we go back to the things of the past, folks. And that means as a church or anything. I remember we were making a lot of progress at community one time, and one of the older members came to me and said, I'd really like to see us go back to the old hymn books that we used to sing 20, 30 years ago. And I said, well, we, we could sing a song out of there. That would be okay. But to go back to them and use them every Sunday, no. And he said, why not? I said, for this, uh, I said let me ask you something. I won't give you his name. Let's say his name was Hank. I said, Hank, if we cut off all the air conditioning, opened the windows, and took all the padding off the pews, would you be happy? He said, well, of course not. I said, well, why do you want to go back to the past and just one thing? If you're going to go back, go back in everything. Right? That's the logic. But he didn't like that. But he finally got with the program. He finally understood. We cannot look back and compromise with the past even uh, and, and go with dead works. We have to, as believers, be free from the past. Now, we must be free as believers from what? From past failures. Who, who brings past failures to your mind? Who accuses the brethren day and night before God? Our enemy. So if you've got somebody with past failures whispering in your and, and church members don't remind people of their past failures. It's bad enough Satan reminds them. It's better not enough their own conscience. But past failures, let them go. Past sins, let them go. Past hurts. If someone has hurt you, bothers you, it bothers you, take it to God, take it to them. Pray with them. Love them. Get it settled some way. But don't let those hurts fester so that they become, as it says, a root of bitterness. Because that's what's happening. You know, when you don't take care of something like that, someone has hurt you, and you look at them and you're reminded of it, eventually that becomes a root of bitterness. And in this same book of Hebrews, it says in chapter 3, that root of bitterness will spring up. I'm not sure it's chapter 3, but the root of bitterness will spring up and defile many. 
In other words, it'll hurt other people. Not just you. Your family. Your children. will see the bitterness in you. And they say, well, Dad goes to church and he reads his Bible, but he's bitter. He's a bitter man. You don't want that. You want to show your children love and joy and, and all the fruit of the Spirit. We have to let go of past hurts and things like that. And again, let go of the past victories. I don't care what your church has done in the past. Well, we had to battle that in North Canapolis. And one time, North Canapolis was a church of 1,000 people. Well, that was when it was a mill village. And 2,000 people lived right around the church. And, and half the people that went there walked there. Now, it is a rundown area, mostly rentals and Section 8 housing. Well, you're not going to have 500 people walk into your church anymore. First of all, most of the poorer people saw that as a big church that they would never want to enter the doors. I did a survey on it. And point being is to hear what we used to be was a detrimental thing. It doesn't matter what we used to be. All God's considered considering is what we are now and what we can be in the future. If that's a church of 200 or 300 or whatever, God can certainly do that. And let's not be looking to the past. Well, letting go of the past, you know, we need to because G through Jesus Christ, friend, we have let go of the past. Let me, let me explain what I mean. Our sins, Jesus said, and God says, listen to this, will I remember no more? Amen? Your sins will I remember no more. Once you come to Jesus and acknowledge your sin and ask Him for forgiveness and acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior, He says, your sins I will remember no more. He's forgotten them. The only one right now that's remembering them is you. So would you trust Him as your Savior today? Ask Him to be your Savior. He loves you. He wants to save you, and if you accept him, he will forgive you, make you a child of God, give you eternal life, and he will remember your sins no more. Well, my blessing to you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask your, your blessing upon this time together. Lord, we do pray for our church, First Baptist Church of China Grove, the people in it, the sick and afflicted of our church. We pray for our country and it's broken and wounded. Lord, heal and let there be healing. And Lord, we love you and we do pray by, in by praying for our leaders. Lord, watch over them and help them in their decision making. Lord, bless us as believers. And lastly, Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for Jesus and the word of God. We thank you for the establishment of the church. We thank you for all the blessings of life. In Jesus' name, amen. How many minutes was that?